Alexis Diaz is one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball, and Tuesday night was just one of many reasons why. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and Stephen Offenbaker will be back tomorrow as he is traveling. He was actually in San Diego for these last couple of games. I bet that was a lot of fun. We'll get his report whenever he returns tomorrow. But Steve and I are both lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans that have turned an addiction into information for you here on the Locked On Reds podcast. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to me talk some Reds with you. I encourage you, if you're listening, make sure you hit me up on Twitter or if you're here in YouTube, make sure you jump into the comment sections and drop us a thought uh, because talking Reds is what I do and I want to talk Reds with you. Locked on Reds is part of the Locked on Podcast Network. We are your team every day. And if you listen every day, let us know you're an every day or down in the comments section. I've seen a bunch of folks dropping in their messages. Love to see that. Love to see uh, that uh, you are following this Reds team because they're interesting. They're fun. There's something about Reds games that are entertaining. Uh, I, I don't think people, I, I think people look at the record immediately and see, oh, losing record, same old Reds. But if you look at that and if you just watch a few minutes of a game and maybe it's a game where they're getting their brains beat in, then you're not seeing the rest of it. And the rest of it is what we saw on Tuesday night, an absolutely beautiful game. And it was punctuated at the end by a beautiful performance by Alexis Diaz. So I thought we would talk a lot about Alexis Diaz on today's pod. Plus, I did notice something yesterday was kind of a theme I've been seeing with Spencer Steer, although despite his struggles, it reminds me of a certain Reds rookie that we've seen here recently, and we're going to look at if help is on the way from AAA. But I want to start first with Alexis Diaz. He is absolutely an elite relief pitcher. I, I don't think there's any question about it anymore, and I know it's early on in this season, but for his career as a whole, he's been fantastic. But last night was just another example as to why he is so good. He comes in the 10th inning, there's a one-run cushion, and you got that, you know, the runner, which they were talking about on the broadcast, what do you call it? It's not a ghost runner because it's an actual person, uh, free runner. Chris Welsh made a nice joke of, well, he's getting paid, so he's not free. Uh, but yeah, whatever guy on second base to start extra innings because of that weird rule that they didn't get rid of. So the pressure's on and then the Reds showed why, because in the top of the 10th inning, very first pitch, Jonathan India gives the Reds a lead and brings in Matt Reynolds, who started out on second base there in the top of the 10th inning. And this all comes on the heels of a beautiful pitching performance by a cast of characters started with Graham Ashcraft. Graham Ashcraft had six solid, fantastic innings. I mean, one run allowed against the San Diego Padres lineup that probably costs three times more than the entire payroll of the Cincinnati Reds is a phenomenal feat in and of itself. But then you look at the fact that Lucas Sims, Ian Jabot, and Derek Law kept the scoreboard clean for the final three innings of regulation, the pressure was on. Especially you get Jake Fraley with a clutch RBI in the eighth inning to tie it up. Reds don't get anything against Josh Hader in the ninth. But then in the tenth inning, India delivers that beautifully clutch RBI to give the Reds a 2-1 to lead. And... 
I think at the beginning of the season, if you told me that the Reds would win a two to one ball game this season, I'd be happy. Number one, I don't think it's going to happen a whole lot, but also number two, that just shows that there's a lot of pitching that has taken a step forward, which is a credit to Derek Johnson and the way that, I mean, Ian Jabot and Derek Law, probably before last season, weren't getting a whole lot of calls. And then they get calls from the Reds to come out and, and pitch for them and just fantastic performance by them. Snapped a nine-game losing streak as well for the Reds in the city of San Diego, but it was all punctuated by the performance of Alexis Diaz because, of course, like the Reds get to start off with a guy on second base at the top of the 10th, the Padres get to start off with a guy at second base in the bottom of the 10th. So one base hit probably brings him in. Now the Reds had the fortune of uh, the uh Padres catcher being the runner that was on second base, but even still, I mean, plenty of dudes in this lineup and Manny Machado made the best contact of any hitter that Alexis Diaz faced. And it just so happened to find the glove of TJ Friedel, but Alexis Diaz gets two strikeouts surrounded by a walk. He, he did walk Trent Grisham to begin the inning, but he even said in his post game, he was just like, I knew if I put a guy on first base, I get a ground ball. I get two outs period, plain and simple. So he was pitching with his mind, and he continued to dominate. He had two strikeouts, which brings his season total to 21 strikeouts, and he's only gotten 30 outs. Like, let that sink in for a minute. Alexis Diaz has pitched 10 innings this year, and he has 21 strikeouts. That's literally, you in, in 10 innings, that, that's 30 outs, right? You can't get more than 30 outs in 10 innings. And he has 21 strikeouts and 30 outs. In fact, he's only faced 38 total batters this year, and he has 21 strikeouts. That's a phenomenal percentage that is just astronomical and probably will come down a little bit. There'll be some games where he just gets ground balls and things like that, but he has pitched so phenomenally well. And this even stems back to last season. Last season, he had a pretty nice strikeout rate as well. So when you combine the you know his first season and a month of his career, he's got 104 strikeouts and he's faced 293 total batters, which is a 35% strikeout rate that is an elite number and I'll tell you why because Aroldis Chapman you remember him I still like Aroldis Chapman I know he's he's kind of weird off the field and all this other stuff and he's got a lot of mm -hmm. but when it came to him pitching he was electric and he absolutely brought everybody to their feet at Great American Ballpark and in his first two seasons as a red he had a strikeout rate of 34 percent Alexis Diaz is even better than Aroldis Chapman was at this point in his career. Fantastic stuff to see. Plus, you look at this, according to StatCast, based on things that Alexis Diaz can control, like, you know, his pitch location and his quality, the ability to actually face a hitter, not worrying about his defense behind him, he is tops. And when I say tops, I mean Major League Baseball pitchers, every single one of them that is qualified for these statistics. He is first in expected batting average against. He is first in expected slugging percentage against, and he is third in expected ERA. And that's out of 382 qualified Major League pictures. Alexis Diaz is elite. This is not me being overly optimistic about a Reds pitcher. This is not me bloviating and just getting way ahead of myself and saying, I see how good he can be, so I'm saying it right now. He is elite. He is one of the best in all of baseball, and it's time. 
We recognize that. And it's time that we stop getting these stupid trade rumors from national reporters that think the Reds are just going to ship him off for a couple of prospects. Not happening because he's one of the best relief pitchers in all of baseball. You know, with the idea of talking about best, let's bring it down just a little bit. Let's be, let's be, uh, let's call it like it is, be a little bit realistic about a guy. I love Spencer Steer, but he's really seen a drop off recently. And it reminds me of a recent Reds rookie who's pretty good in his rookie season. I'll tell you who coming up next. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors for today, and that is Rocket Money. Do you know how your subscriptions really cost? Most Americans think they spend around $80 a month on subscriptions, but the actual total is closer to $200. If you don't ha- know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, and chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app you just wanted to watch that one show for, or, you know, the free game trial that you never really actually used. By the way, you're probably still paying for it. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you, and any you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that Easy. Rocket Money helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses so you can easily track your budget in real time and get alerted if anything looks off. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money already, saving the average person of up to $720 a year. That's go to rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB to take advantage of this often sur- uh, this awesome service. That's rocketmoney.com slash locked on MLB. And by the way, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Reds. And thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show, Steve will be back. And, you know, ESPN gave the Reds a grade of D-plus for the month of April. Are they right? Steve and I will discuss on tomorrow's show. But I'll tell you this. Uh, we've been watching a lot of Spencer Steer this season, and he started off red hot. But he's hit an adjustment period here recently. He struggled, and, and I kind of broke it down like this. In his first 15 games of the season, he was on fire, and he was absolutely the best, maybe the best. He had an argument. There was a couple of guys that were just on fire in this at the same time frame, but for the first 15 games of the season, he had a 320 batting average. He got on base almost 43% of the time, and he slugged 520. I mean, those are numbers. Three, four, five is Hall of Fame numbers. Now, it's 15 games, so obviously he's not going to go into the Hall of Fame for 15 games. But he did have a pair of homers, and he only had eight strikeouts to nine walks. He was walking more than he struck out. That's the Spencer Steer we know. The guy at the plate with the great discipline. He's got a great eye, and he doesn't chase. And the good news is he's still not chasing bad pitches here but I have noticed something, and these stats will kind of bear that out. Because So that was his first 15 games. In his last 12 games, ugh, 160 batting average. He's in a buck 60 in the last 12 games. He's getting on base just a smidge over 20% of the time. I mean, that, that makes Billy Hamilton look like he's like Ricky Henderson. And then uh, you got a 240 slugging percentage. He only has two doubles and a triple. In eight, he only has eight hits in the last twelve games to boot, but he only has three extra base hits 
the thing that that gives me a little bit of pause and a little bit of worry about Spencer Steele's struggles here recently is he has 20 strikeouts in the last 12 games, and he has one walk. That is very un-Steer-like. And not the kind of thing that I would expect from him because, yeah, but but this adjustment period, the struggle that he's going through right now, reminds me of Jonathan India in his rookie of the year campaign. Remember the month of April and the month of May for Jonathan India in his rookie season? It actually wasn't all roses. Like his first, I, mean, I think it was like his first 10 or 11 games, he was on fire and was hitting everything and everything was going everywhere all over the park and nobody could catch it. And he was on base all the time. And then for like a month, it might have even been six weeks, Jonathan India really cooled off. I think his batting average dipped below 220. And there was like a point where everybody was like, ooh, is this experiment over? Do we need to send him down? Do we need to send him? Do we need to do something here? And then he started to figure it out. He made the adjustment. This is the point of... Spencer Steer's rookie campaign because, yeah, I know he came up last September, but essentially this is his third month now in the major leagues. This is now his adjustment period. How does he fix this? And let's look at some of the good because he still has that pop in the bat. His average exit velocity is up around 90 and league average is 88. We talk about exit velocity a lot because that's a way of explaining one way or the other, whether you're talking about a good hitter or a bad hitter or something like that, if the exit velocity is comparable to league average, that means that they're still okay. And his is still above league average, so that's still good to see. Then you've got the contact quality. This is something that I'm a little bit worried about, though, because when you talk about the exit velocity, that's good to see. But the contact quality with barrels, and, you know, hitting the sweet spot of the bat. StatCast has a statistic called sweet spot percentage. Both of those are below league average for Spencer Steer. So when you've got a guy who's hitting the ball hard, but he's not necessarily squaring it up a lot, pretty much reminds me of my golf game, right? Like, you can hit a ball real hard. It might not go where you want it to go because you're just hitting it a little bit off on the club face. That's the same way here with the bat. Like, Spencer Steer is making hard contact. It's just not exactly where he wants it to be. And I feel like that adjustment is going to happen. He's going to figure out what it is, whether it's, you know, a quirk in his mechanics with a swing or something like that. Um, or, or, or maybe it's just a certain pitch. I mean, he is dominated by off-speed pitches. He has a whiff rate of over 30%. And I believe that that entails like a change-up or a split finger or something like that. Um, so he's he's very much, he struggles those. Those are kind of his kryptonite. So if he can kind of improve against those and maybe realize how to get the barrel of the bat on the ball, then we'll see that average exit velocity. Because if you're not hitting the sweet spot of the bat, but you still hit the ball like harder than league average, that means when you find that sweet spot, Spencer Steer's going to go crazy, man. So I'm telling you, yeah, his last 12 games have been a struggle. And it might continue for the next few games because rookies tend to hit this sort of snag. I mean, Jonathan India won rookie of the year. And I think for like five or six weeks, he hit a total of 200 during, you know, May and April. So hopefully he can come out of this. And this is just a period where he has to figure out because baseball, as, as any announcer tells us on any broadcast, whether it be Reds or, or Padres or any team, baseball is a game of adjustments. 
how does the hitter adjust to the pitcher? How does the pitcher adjust to the hitter? And if you're constantly adjusting, then you're probably going to end up being a pretty good hitter. And Spencer Steer has, I mean, he talked with Steve last season. He strikes me as a really smart guy. Every time he has an interview with somebody, I'm like, okay, he knows what's going on here. And I don't necessarily think that this is something like, you know, is he pressing? Is this something where um, he's he's got to change his mentality of the way that he plays? I don't think it's that. I think there's just a little tweak, just a, just a small tweak in his swing that once he starts barreling up the ball, we're going to see it. We're going to see the Spencer Steer that we saw at the beginning of the season, right? He's done it. We, we saw it. I know that he can do it. And I think it's going to come here soon. It's definitely an adjustment period, though. And, I mean, the lineup the lineup needs him. This lineup does not have power. And that is something that, you know, whether it's uh, someone else, right, a national pundit, a talking head. I know I'm a talking head, but I'm a little bit biased, so that, there's that. But when it comes to this Reds lineup, I will definitely admit the power is not there. I mean, the way that we've seen it so far this season, the way that we saw it for much of last season – after they traded away guys like Brandon Drury and Tyler Naquin and things like that, we have one or two home run threats. And Tyler Stevenson really hasn't even developed into the home run threat we thought he could be. And I think he'll get there. It's just right now he's he's just been on such a drought with the homer that it's starting to make me wonder a little bit, but I think that's going to come too. So overall... Spencer Steer is a very important part of this lineup. He's going through a rough patch. He's going to come out of it. But I think it's important to kind of note because you saw last night, even in the 10th inning, he came up with runners on first and second and nobody out, and he hits into a double play. Like, that's just kind of how his last week, two weeks has gone. And I'm, I'm hoping it turns around here soon if he can start it here in the final game against the Padres or if it comes this weekend with the White Sox coming to town at Great American Ballpark. Um, but he just needs to adjust. That, that's, that's really what we're looking at here. You know, uh, for the, speaking of the finale against the Padres, Luis Sess is on the mound, and that has us all wondering who's next in AAA. <laughs> we'll dive into that coming up next. Before we do that, though, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is So Rare. So Rare is a revolutionary fantasy baseball game that I've been playing a little bit here. I, I got to draft a team. You go to SoRare.com slash locked on, and you draft your free team of uh, any player, really, because what they do is they give you a budget. This isn't like a, you know you draft and somebody else drafts, and he picks the guy that you wanted, and so you can't pick that guy. You can pick the stars that you want on your team. Now you have a budget that you have to fit within. It's a little bit more like a fantasy auction type thing, but on so rare, like you can go and like, I've got um, a couple of really good starters on my team, like Jacob deGrom and I've got Clayton Kershaw and I I've even got Hunter green. And then you fill out your team with some sleepers and you run them up against other players in these so rare competitions because you can compete for some awesome prizes on so rare. Now, you can win extra rare cards that bolster your lineup and help you win bigger prizes along the way because there's some really awesome prizes. You can get game tickets, you can get jerseys, you can even meet MLB players through so rare.com competitions. Check them out today. That's so rare.com and jump in on one of the MLB game weeks. There's a three or four day cycle, depending on if you're playing a weekend game cycle or you know the beginning of the week cycle. And if you finish at or near the top 
of those competitions, you get some awesome prizes. That's so rare.com, S O R A R E.com slash locked on to get in on the action today. Speaking of the action, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast on Sirius XM. Just download the SXM app and search Reds. And you can follow me on Twitter. You can also follow Steve on Twitter. In between episodes, we have lots of thoughts about the Reds and other things. Uh, you can follow me at Jeff Carr with three Fs. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. And you can follow the show at Lockdown Reds. Also, make sure that you're subscribed to us on YouTube and click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. All right, who's next? Because it feels like, especially with the weird call-up of Matt Reynolds here recently, we're like, all right, who are we bringing up next? Jose Barrero's kind of played out to be the way that we thought he'd be. I really wanted to see Jose Barrero figure it out. Doesn't look like he's going to. And there are some position players at AAA that could really help out because they're showing out big time. And it's worth noting, too, like as, as you know, the days seem to go by and there's no Joey Votto and now Will Myers is on the injured list and Spencer Sears playing first base, but I don't necessarily think he's that great there. Maybe he can work into it and he's just, he was trying to work into third base. Now he's playing first base or whatever, but Christian Encarnacion strand is back and his first eight games at triple a have been phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. He has four home runs. In eight games, Christian Encarnacion Strain is acting like spring training never stopped. He was mashing in Arizona, and now he's mashing in Louisville. Hopefully, maybe here soon, he'll be mashing in Cincinnati. That, that is something, and, and we talk about it a lot, the lack of power in this lineup. Christian Encarnacion Strain, right there in AAA. Power, baby. Let's see it. Let's see it at some point this season. Then you got Matt McClain, who's just... I mean, he's he's absolutely supernova at this point. He, in 27 games, so much bigger sample size, still small, but much bigger sample size than Christian Encarnacion Strand, he has 30 hits. Yeah, 30 hits in 27 games. Seven home runs. And a slash line of, you know, he's he's got a 313 batting average, getting on base 44% of the time, got a 594 slugging percentage. Yeah. Triple A is coming easy to Matt McClain right now. Really don't think he needs to be down there much longer. Now, I will say this. Ellie De La Cruz, a little bit of a slower start. He's 9 for 46 so far this season. That's only a 196 batting average. He does have one home run, which was hilarious. I don't know if you got a chance to see this highlight. Look it up. I don't have it to share with you here, but the, <laughs> the home run that he hit this season, he was it, it was on the road against Iowa and the Iowa broadcaster was calling the play and like he makes contact with it and the Iowa broadcaster was just like and that's a pop up to center field and it clears the wall <laughs> for a home run like come on man only Elliot De La Cruz could hit a pop up that most people are just like ah yeah that's an out and then oh hey that carried that's all right. And that's in Iowa too. That's not like, you know, the desert or something. So <laughs> awesome to see that. But yeah, he's got to cut back on the strikeouts though. He's got 19 strikeouts in his first nine games of the season. So a little bit of a struggle for Ellie De La Cruz. And you know what? With Matt McClain playing as well as he has, you can probably slow play Ellie a little bit. You can say, okay, Ellie, you are going to be a shortstop, but let's kind of work through this process. Let's work through these at-bats and see what you can give us. 
here and, and bounce back a little bit. And I know that it's not all performance-based. This is not a situation where you look at a AAA guy and you say, well, this is the certain stat lines that he has to get to. He has to hit a certain batting average, and he has to strike out uh, you know, a certain amount of percentage of the time before we can call him up. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm just saying there are some things that show up in a game where a guy's batting a buck 96 and is striking out 19 times in nine games, that you're like, okay, maybe let's work on a few things a little bit before we think about calling you up. Because I, I don't necessarily know that we need to see a ton of games from Christian Encarnacion Strand at AAA. All right, and we might. Uh, we might see that because I really, and I don't want the Reds to do this. I don't want them to feel like, skittish about calling up prospects, but the call-up of Matt Reynolds has me as slightly worried. Like, they had to add him to the 40-man roster, and I know that they were able to do that because they moved Tony Santi onto the 60-day injured list, so that freed up a 40-man roster spot. But, like, I don't know. That, that just feels like, uh, uh, you know, stretching for the wrong solution. They're working really hard to make sure that they don't have to do that one thing. You know, I'm trying to think of an example here. It's like, you know, using a Roomba whenever you're trying to vacuum or something. You know, you don't want to push the vacuum. You just want to have the robot do it. Like the Reds are really trying to figure out how they don't have to call up these prospects. And if they're worried about the future contract situations of these prospects, then that is silly because if you're playing contract games now, you know what's going to happen then? There's going to be another general manager that is presiding over those contract problems. Just saying. Uh, also of note, Chucky Robinson is kicking some butt. Dude's got 28 hits and 66 at-bats so far this season. By the way, 424 batting average did the math. Just kidding. The stat people did the math for me. But he does have five walks compared to just seven strikeouts. And he does also have three home runs. Maybe. I mean, we look at him as an emergency catcher. We saw him last year. But do we know what we know about Chucky Robinson? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. This is a case, though, where the argument would be Luke Maley or Chucky Robinson. Kind of feels like six one, half dozen the other. Uh, now, when it comes to the pitching, that's... A whole different story. I'm advocating for some position players to get called up here very soon. Matt McClain should have been called up last week. As far as people who could replace Luis Sessa in the lineup or in the rotation, um, there's there's work to be done. Now, the Reds did just trade Chase Anderson to the Rays. Still don't know what the compensation is. Probably just going to be cash considerations. Um, but Chase Anderson no longer in the Reds' uh, organization. So then you look at Brandon Williamson. Well, Brandon Williamson has pitched 22 and a third innings in six starts so far this season. That's like not even four innings a start. And he's allowed 21 earned runs in those 22 and a third innings. He's allowed five home runs. And what's worse is he has 16 strikeouts and 16 walks allowed. Not great. Levi Stout, maybe? No. 19 innings, five starts, 12 earned runs allowed. 
Like, like, here's the thing, and, and I don't want to go on quoting stats and things like that because, yes, there's a little bit of weirdness in AAA. What's the defense behind him? What's the situation that guys like Williamson and Stout are pitching in? What are they working on? What, what are the pitching coaches telling them? These are guys that we want to see here at the major league level. And Levi Stout was done no favors whatsoever, coming up short notice to pitch against the Rays. Like, come on. That was dumb. But if the Reds are going to do this thing where they slow play calling up guys and they see these stats, they're going to say, look, they're not ready. Now, maybe Andrew Abbott beats them to the major leagues because Andrew Abbott has been called up to AAA. He has two starts, 10 innings, and only two earned runs allowed, 15 strikeouts. He almost has as many strikeouts as Stout and Williamson, and he's done it in 10 innings, and he only has five walks. Now, you'd still like to see the five walks come down, but that's definitely a lot more than saying, hey, he's got as many walks as strikeouts. But I, I look at this and I say, the pitching is really where we needed to see. Like, I thought coming into this season, I thought we would see more pitchers being called up early. But as of right now, it kind of feels like there's going to be more position players called up before the pitchers are. because. Brandon Williamson had a problem with walks last year, and he has a problem with walks this year. Levi Stout, some people probably think he profiles more as a relief pitcher moving forward. Can he prove him wrong? He's not doing it so far. So how do these guys develop? And could Andrew Abbott be up soon? Because he just got called up to AAA. So I don't necessarily think this is a situation where we would see him in June. Could we see him in July? Maybe. But as of right now, Luke Weaver and Luis Sessa are in the starting rotation because the options are, you know, Mr. Outside Hire for both positions because right now the guys at AAA don't appear to be ready to take over. It's it's very strange. I, I really think that those guys are going to be ready soon and the position players are going to be ready now. But I really worry about what the front office's plan is for calling these guys up. Because if the problem is, well, you know, in five years, their contracts are all going to be coming up at the same time, and I don't know what we're going to do then. If you're worried about 2028 here on May 3rd of 2023, hmm, all right, all right. Don't think that's a good idea. But you know what? The Reds got a chance to win the series against the Padres. And that's how we're going to end today's podcast. Before we get out of here, don't forget that you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Reds. And that's going to wrap us up for today's Lockdown Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show. Steve will be back. And we will be discussing this because ESPN gave the Reds first month a D-plus grade. Are they right? We'll talk about it tomorrow. Now for your second listen, check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy baseball analysis anywhere. You can find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, because just like Locked On Reds, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And as we move forward and we're and the Reds will be returning home to play the White Sox this weekend, we will be locked on Reds every single